Hi, welcome back to the CCW Safe Podcast. I'm Rob High in Oklahoma City, joined by Phil Naiman in California. Phil, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. I'm uh, pretty excited about Thanksgiving here. I'm looking, I'm trying to find things to look forward to, and a deep fried turkey is one of them. Absolutely. I couldn't argue that. I, I would be looking forward to it as well. Are you the, are you the cook at Thanksgiving at your house? Yeah, I, I do man the deep fryer. So that's, uh, I don't do anything else. Um, maybe pour some wine. But other than that, the deep fryer is, is my domain. And I think my wife likes it that way because I'm outside and uh, outside for at least an hour. So she, it, it works out good for her too. It's just as she planned. <clears throat> so you've uh, been following the, the proceedings with the jury deliberations in the Rittenhouse case. Rittenhouse, Rittenhouse. Oh yeah, that thing in Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, slightly, huh? Um, guy. Sorry? As the young guy from Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, we talked about it last week and I think we're gonna be talking about it for quite some time, just how amazing everything can line up. And in this particular case, um, we witnessed, I think we kind of talked about the shooting last time. We talked about what he was involved in, what he did, the restraint that it appears he showed, uh, the people who were attacking him, you know, and, and we covered that, I think, pretty well. But just like you always say with CCW Safe is, you know, you fight for your life twice. You know, you fight for your life, then you fight for your freedom. And that's what we're witnessing here in this jury, jury uh, trial and this deliberation and this district attorney up there in Wisconsin. It, uh, it, it's been a little eye-opening. You know, I've, I've you know, I've, we, you and I have talked about it. I'm, I'm retired from law enforcement. I was an investigator myself. Um, I've always had such tremendous faith in our process, in the system. Um, and I've had a couple occasions personally to witness uh, that I was actively involved in that kind of went against all the things that I hold dear as far as that process. Um, it, it should be a fair, impartial defense. Everybody's entitled to a fair legal defense. Um, especially the guilty people we want we want to expunge all opportunities um, to acquit somebody so that when we know that they are convicted they are guilty I, I agree with that um, and you know I've, I've mentioned um, I would I would rather see a guilty person walk than to ever think that we had incarcerated, an innocent person. Um, I know that it's happened. Uh, there's there's too many documented cases. I, I know the possibility is out there, um, but but I worked so hard personally to not ever have something like that. And I don't know that I could live with that on my conscience. That that I took part in an innocent person being incarcerated. Well, especially knowingly, knowingly doing something on purpose, right? Yes. To, to sway a jury purposely, uh, misleading things. I think that's, that's the fact. Could you have arrested somebody who did not commit the crime? Yes. 
Could you put somebody on trial who did not commit the crime? Yes. yes. Do you want them to go to jail for a crime they did not commit? No. Uh, has law enforcement been wrong where you've arrested somebody, put them on trial and he didn't do it? Yes. Have there been times when somebody has been guilty and walked away? Like, I don't know if the glove fits, you must acquit, something like that. Uh, yeah, we've, we've seen people who have had a high probability of committing a crime, either through jury nullification or, or incompetence, walk away from things. So um, we want to see, I personally, this is Phil Naiman's opinion, I want to see justice done. I want to see it even. I want to see it across the board. I don't want to see political ranks not being held to the same standards as everybody else. I don't want to see rich people getting better than other people. We should all have the same opportunity to be represented. And yes, a, a legal defense is extremely expensive. And if you have a lot of money, your chances of beating something are far higher than if you don't. That's that's the reality of the world. And so it's something we always have to think about. You know, CCW Safe, we talk about first you fight for your life, do whatever it takes to survive an altercation, right? You, they don't say that. I said that. Uh, if you're fighting for your life, you need, and your life of your family, you need to do whatever it takes to survive that. And that's an important feature. But as we've seen in some cases, not that I would mention any offhand, but in some cases, a political wind may be uh, brewing in the district attorney's office, and you may have something pushed upon a situation that shouldn't be there. Now, have you seen anything maybe you'd want to comment on? And I don't know, let's just take this little case in Wisconsin. Uh, any kind of behavior there that you find quite uh, unique? <laughs> Um, you know, the, you've got judges and attorneys and law enforcement and everybody that should be working together <clears throat> towards the truth. That's uh, really what we're sworn to do. Um, it's not necessarily I, I'm working to get the conviction. I'm trying to figure out what really happened and and we have citizens that are drawn from that, that get to help us make those decisions. Um, they come in, they're impartial, they're not experts in the areas. Um, and you have a prosecution and you have a defense and everybody gets to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm gonna present my case and the evidence that supports the reason we filed these charges and the defense is coming in and they're trying to discredit or or tell me why this you know we've got the wrong guy we you know it wasn't it wasn't uh premeditated we tried to do this on purpose thing it's something that just resulted uh and whether we're, we're talking about the rittenhouse case or what but but to me the the safety and the security of those citizen jurors is such a big deal. Um, and to, to have, and, and in this particular case, <clears throat> uh, we've had influences from both sides, from Rittenhouse supporters and from uh, the people that want him found guilty. 
um, people not connected or affiliated or associated with this case outside of just opinions. And to have somebody come in, and I don't know if our guys, you know, if our, our listeners all know, but uh, doxing is kind of a new phenomenon. And it is something where I'm going to find your information and I'm going to start putting it out there, whether it's, you know, your name and your address and Phil drives this kind of car and and I'm doing that really as a threat, um, hoping that somebody else will pick up on this. Or, or, or not, even, not even that Phil drives this kind of car, but Phil's kids go to this school. Yes. Here's some pictures of them. Those and kind of things. At, at the onset of this trial, you know, you have somebody that's coming through saying, <clears throat> we have cameras in the courtroom. We're going to get this information out on these jurors. Um, and this guy is doing this on social media platforms. It's not like he's an unknown and anonymous. He's very publicly doing this. Um, that threatens everything about our judicial system um, because those citizen jurors are what make our system go. Um, and have they made good choices or bad choices? You know, over time, it depends on how a, how a jury pool is is selected. And you know, there's so many things that go into things like that now. You know, used to you just go in and kind of argue things out and through uh, questioning. Um, attorneys from both sides can kind of determine whether or not this guy's going to have biases against this kind of case or, and you want to get those people off your jury. Yeah. Jury selections are important because it should be a jury of your peers, not 12 people who want to be there to prove a point or to drive a political agenda. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's one of the things that, you know, we always talk about the coverages that we, we provide at CCW safe. Um, that's not, that's something we don't spend a lot of time putting out there, but, um, you know, aside from just your court costs and all those things and your, your attorney fees and expert fees, things, you know, that are going to, going to come at a cost, um, you know, we're, we're also providing real-time jury consultants. Um, we've got, uh, social media. force experts. Yes, uh, social media management consultants. Um, you know, you guys know that that Don West is our national trial counsel. Don is as good as you're ever going to find. He's he's just amazing, uh, and to have him on our team is is just second to none, in my opinion. Um, but to to put things out there where, you know, you've got these threats against these jurors, you know, we're, we're getting their pictures out there, we're gonna put their information out there. Um, and this is not just coming from uh, the people that wanna see Rittenhouse convicted, it's come from the other side as well. Um, there, was, there was somebody that was uh, 
doxing somebody and, and saying that they were a juror and the man's starting to receive threats and his family is, is being threatened and he's not a juror. They made a mistake. Um, it, it's such a threat to our entire system. Um, I know the state of Oklahoma last year uh, made it a, a criminal act uh, to go after and dox police officers uh, during the riots and, and protests and things last summer. Um, there were people that were going through neighborhoods and police officers that had take home vehicles and things like that. People are out there taking pictures of, of the vehicle and the house and putting the house information out there on social media. Um, that's, that's really threatening. Um, and it, it's against the law in Oklahoma now, but man, it's something that really has to be in place for, for that, those people that are citizen jurors. You know, these guys are under threat for doing nothing more than what they're required to do by law. Yeah. Um, and, and we absolutely owe it to them to, to protect them. Uh, so it, it's just crazy to me that when these people are known we, we need to go after them with, with the full force and effect of law enforcement and hold them accountable for doing that. You know, that, that's one of the issues we have here in California is they don't go after the bad guys with the full force and effect of law enforcement. They continually let them out of jail. Um, you know, murderers uh, do not get executed in California. They commuted all the sentences. Uh, basically, even though we have a death penalty, it'll never be enforced here. Uh, you know, and that's even if you get convicted of life imprisonment or the death penalty. Most of the time, it's three to five and you're out on the street again to cause whatever new, new mayhem you're allowed to do. And everything's pled down. It's, it's really a mess. And I hope that the rest of the country, you know, gets back to enforcing the laws as they're written and as they're intended and not to have these well, in, in Los Angeles County, we have Gascon. Uh, we've talked about him before as a district attorney. Uh, he's trying to release a guy who was 17 years old and shot another gang member and killed him. And he got a 50-year sentence. And he wants him out after six. Well, that means the guy's 25 years old. As a police officer, if you have a gang member in the age bracket of 18 to 40 versus somebody who's 60, when are they most likely to commit another violent crime, Rob? Just throw it out there. Um, just, that's just that's from, peak peak time, right? Yeah, just from my experience, that that is in their wheelhouse at that at that young age. So yeah, so let's get him back out on the streets. And uh, you know, he found out, hey, he can commit murder, and he's going to get out anyway. So boy, that was a big big uh, uh, deterrent there, right? Um, one of the other things I think we should talk about is. The importance, you know, the importance of the coverage, like with CCW Safe, and why it's different from other people who say that they're uh, offering CCW coverage or or self defense coverage is out there. Unlimited criminal and civil proceeding coverage, unlimited. If you had to pay for the defense that Kyle Rittenhouse is getting, I don't know who's funding it or how. You're looking at a million to two million bucks. All of the I different. Saw yesterday. Yeah, Sorry? I saw yesterday that the the estimation right now is two million dollars on this case. 
Um, Do you think you know, a 17 year old has that? <laughs> no. no. And we, we discussed that last week, you know, and we were, we were thinking in the $750,000 range to one five. Yeah. Something in that range. So it's 2 million bucks. Yeah, it's, it, it's just the amount of, of money and resources that it takes to do this are, it, it's just mind blowing. Um, you know, I've mentioned, I, I was working a, a case on a, on a stand your ground case, a civilian self-defense case in Oklahoma. <clears throat> and at the conclusion of that, uh, the gentleman was acquitted and I just asked him if he wouldn't mind sharing with me what his defense cost. Uh, this has been seven years ago. Um, and he told me that it was over $600,000 and, and it just floored me. I had no, I had no earthly idea how much it would cost to do this. Um, and you're talking about CCW safe versus other companies. Um, number well, one, there, there's some, there's some very important uh, distinctions. And I, I really think that this case just highlights them like crazy. Certainly. <clears throat> um, you know, we, we talked a little bit last week about, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to wave a flag over here and go, Hey, we're going to, we're going to cover you for this much civil liability. Um, if you're found guilty criminally, it doesn't matter how much coverage you have civil liability wise. Um, <laughs> you're in jail. Yeah, you're in jail. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, and it's, and it's one of those that we have, uh, you know, you'll, you'll have guys out there that say we're, we're going to cover $250,000 of your criminal fee, criminal trial fees, or $500,000 of your criminal trial fees. Or, um, <clears throat> but those are, those are wasting, like, like a wasting insurance policy, you know, as we start paying stuff, those, those numbers immediately start subtracting and my, my fund goes down and down and down and down. Um, there's, there's other providers out there that you have to come up and, and fund your defense and it, they reimburse you after you win. All right, so let's, let's touch on that. Um... A lot of guys, uh, you know, I shouldn't say it that way. Excuse me if I started off that way. When you hear the term a quarter million dollars in coverage, it may seem like that's a lot of money, right? That is, and it is a ton of money. It's not a lot of money when it comes to legal fees and legal expertise. That's the sad part. Your money does, talk about inflation. It's, it's more expensive than gasoline. So it, a quarter million dollars, although it is a large sum of money and everybody would love to have an extra quarter million right here just so we can go buy more guns. Um, it doesn't go very far in legal coverage. Half a million, while that's twice as much as a quarter million, it still doesn't go as far. Now, let's just say, and I don't know if there's any coverages involved at all in this situation, but let's just say that uh, the, the gentleman, the young man uh, written house is on trial and he has a half a million dollars worth of coverage for this. And he, it gets 
chop, 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 chop. All of a sudden he's spent, he's 17 years old. And what if the attorneys are like, well, we're not working without any money. You know, they don't have to continue to work. Where does this leave the guy? You're high and dry, right? And that's a, the 17 year old and that's an extreme example, but say you're a small business owner and you had to defend your store because somebody's trying to arm, arm robbery you and, and now you're, you're up for, for whatever, uh, you know, good citizen award that uh, the DA wants to punish you with. And, and all of a sudden you're selling your store, you're selling your house, you're going bankrupt to stay out of uh, jail. So a reimbursement plan, and that's only if you're found innocent, right? They don't, yes. if, if the court goes against you, they don't pay a dime and you had to defend it all yourself. So it's like, why would I, why would I waste any time looking at a plan like that when there are other options available? And I don't want this just to sound like an infomercial, but I want people to understand that there is a huge difference in what you need versus what's being sold what you need, what's being sold. And, and it really, you know, it, it's an important thing. Cost factor is almost the same across the board, but the benefits to you and your family and anybody left behind are really what's important. And that's why CCW Safe, you know, they're, they're a sponsor of my show, Firing Line Radio Show, um, but they're a sponsor because I believe that they're the, the best. They have the best plans and they have the best coverage unlimited criminal and civil stop there Where, where's the competition not there right so that's why we always want to take a look at that ccw safe i'm very proud to be involved with them and, and have them sponsor my show um and and it's so it's so illuminating when you see this stuff on television this trial that's going on here we just talked about the doxing of the jurors. You know what, maybe we should take, take a quick break. We'll pick up these other points because they're gonna take a little bit longer than two minutes. But um, why don't we take us to go, go to break on this and then we'll, we'll go through some of the other things that we got to witness with this televised trial. Yep, sounds good. We'll be right back, thank you. With the magic of recording, we're back. Welcome back to the CCW Safe Podcast. I'm Rob High. Uh, here with me with my co-host, Phil Naiman. And we are going over a uh, little bit regarding the Rittenhouse trial as the jurors are out deliberating now. Um, we should have a verdict by the time this podcast uh, is published. Uh, but we have been discussing some of the things that we've seen through the course of this trial, um, including threats to dox the jurors and things like that. But there's other things that, that have been a little troubling um, concerning um, the, the behavior of the prosecutors, the right? The, the, the behavior of, of the prosecutors. You have to come out and say that. I mean, we are both very much pro-law enforcement. You yes. lived it. I've always supported it. I mean, I am. There's, it's really hard to find somebody more supportive of the police department than I am, uh, unless they pull me over for speeding. Then we got to talk. But um, <laughs> it wasn't me. I know a guy. Yeah, I barely got here. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, but the point on this is... <sighs> 
you see this behavior and it's hard to believe that this is a professional prosecutor doing some of these things. Um, when I had Stan on my show several times, but one of the things that keeps coming up that he always wants to talk about is, is the subject of brandishing a weapon, right? A lot of guys, they, they may use a firearm in self-defense. They don't fire it, but they brandished it. You are in, in law enforcement. What is the definition, or, or at least a working definition of brandishing a weapon? You know, it, it's one of those that uh, I can do a lawful display of a firearm. Um, just more than anything that it's going to be followed with with my articulations you know i i don't want to be involved in this please back away i i'm you're 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 causing me to have fear for my own safety for the safety of these people around me um and typically typically that's enough um but it's when that guy really doesn't know what he's doing with this firearm he doesn't understand the legalities and he pulls that thing out and he shoves it in your face and he goes, if you, if you don't back, back off, I'll kill you. And the whole thing, the whole rationale that in his mind is making that okay is I'm going to scare you and intimidate you and get you to stop. So brandishing, in my layman terms, would be to display a firearm with the intent of intimidating somebody into an action. Certainly. Um, so if I were to walk into the San Bernardino Municipal Courthouse up the road here, or Superior Courthouse, unpack my briefcase, pull out an AR-15, unloaded, no magazine, and just pointed it at the jury and said, I really would like you to see things my way. Could that be slightly a little bit of a brandishing kind of an idea you know what we just and what i'm getting at if you haven't seen this already i mean it's been on every single meme in the world um this this prosecutor up there in kenosha uh took the weapon the ar-15 it was from what well there was no magazine in it i didn't see anybody clearly action but there was no magazine in it but he shouldered it pointed it at the jury put his finger on the trigger and was, you know, letting them know what it looks like to be on the business end of an AR-15. Why? To intimidate their decisions. Um, that is unbelievable behavior. I, if you point, if you point, not in self-defense, but if you take your weapon and you point it at somebody, that in some cases can be considered assault with a deadly weapon. You don't have a, yeah, state, right? State by state, though, those charges go across the board. That. Brandishing. I would have loved, loved to see the bailiff walk over and put him in cuffs. That just would have been perfect. <laughs> it, it, under arrest you, for brandishing. That's all the deadly I, weapon. I, I know I know defense counselors. I know prosecutors. I know investigators that everybody is doing the same head scratch going, what did he just do? He um, did it to intimidate them. Yeah. And and it was it was to drive his point home, but I, I don't know why it would be illegal to do it over here, but it's legal for him to do it over here. Well, uh, the, the other guy, you know, the, the, the person who got his, his arm shot, Gage Grush, um, 
you know, he had a felony expunged. I think we called him a felon before, but he did have a felony, but it was expunged. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't a current felon. He was a previous felon. Um, but here, this guy's running around with a firearm, you know, uh, on the streets and he most certainly shouldn't have, but he was not, he obviously had a firearm he shouldn't have had carrying in a way he shouldn't have had, but he was never charged with the crime. Why? Well, it's, it's also one of those that uh, the way that they would have gone after him in a prosecution, had he been on trial for things that he did that night, um, they would have roasted him for these things. Right. And, and I'm okay with an expungement. If you can, if you can satisfy uh, whatever requirements are to, to get something expunged and, and removed, man, that's, that's just part of our legal process. And, and I support that actually. Um, but it, it doesn't make the fact that he, he's got an expungement that he, he's a stand-up guy and he's making great decisions and he's doing things like this. And, and, and fortunately, he actually told the truth on the stand when they're when they question him under cross, you know, where he had to, it was on video. You couldn't when, deny yeah, when, what was sitting right there. Exactly. When your hands were up, did he shoot? No. Uh, and when you drew and your well, weapon and tried to kill true? him, did he shoot yeah. you? Isn't it true that he, he didn't shoot you until you pointed your gun at him? Yes, that's true. Um, you just made a self-defense case for him. Yeah. Um, and then, and, and, and then the same guy goes on, he goes on uh, some of the media, uh, some of the news stations says, I didn't say that. No, it didn't really happen. Just direct lie. Here he is on, you know, on video saying yes, yes, yes. Very clear, precise questions. He comes back out and he goes, no, it's not what happened. No, it's not what happened. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if you went with his an, an initial interviews with the police, that's where I was saying, if, if the prosecution had gone after him to charge him in this case, um, they would have gone, they would have gone after him about the fact that he initially lied about even having a gun. He, he lied about ever having pointed the gun. Every, everything he said initially was a cover up. The district attorney. Himself uh, what's his name? Bingham? Binger? Binger. Anyway, Binger. So he, he says initially that this guy, Gage, um, pulled, was trying to pull his firearm away from him and was shot in the elbow. He bladed away from Kyle Rittenhouse and was shot in the elbow. That's a pretty good shooting there. It's like, it's like that movie with uh, Angelina Jolie where you, you whip the gun really fast. You can shoot around corners, right? Because that's what he would have had to have done to uh, get around his body to hit him in the elbow. It's just, there, there are so many lies and I just... It's a personal thing. It's not CCW safe. A personal thing for me. I I just love to see people held accountable for this because they're, man, they're destroying our legal system or they're destroying our trust in our legal system when they do this with impunity. And uh, I'm really hoping that we see an, an acquittal or a mistrial with prejudice. That's the only, those are the only two just things that could come out of this based on the facts of the case from what I've seen. You know, there's just, there are so many 
outside influences, you know, the, the whole doxing thing, the whole threats to your jurors, um, coupled with, you know, suddenly you have people, you know, you, you don't, you don't completely give over all of your evidence to, uh, the, the defense in discovery. Um, that can cause a mistrial right there. People don't realize that you you've got a really small window to get that stuff to them. And you know, we were talking off the air that you know it took 15 months to get to trial with this case, which is actually pretty expedient. Um, a lot of that had to do with the publicity around it and how it blew up. And uh, but you know, it it's it's there. I don't know. It's, it's just, you, you get to a point with your so driven for a win versus the truth. Um, it's just, it's, it's troubling to me. It, it, it really brings into question a lot of things in our, um, political climate, but, but these are things that, that uh, the silent majority has lost. You've lost the right to be silent. You know, we've, we've remained silent for so long that, that people are coming in and, and changing the way uh, things were set up to operate in, fairly and impartially. Um, and, and to, to go so far beyond that you're willing to just twist the rules for a win, that, that's, not, that's not the judicial process. That's not, that's not how we do this thing. Um, that's the way some third world dictatorships work, right? It, it is, or it has been previous, but- it's what but, separates us is we've always had the respect for the rule of law. Yes. We sub, you know, we've talked about this on my show quite a bit is the reason there aren't, you know, there's 330 million people in the U.S. and over half of them are armed. Well, the reason there's not 175 million mass shootings a day is because we put ourselves in self-control under the law. We respect the law. We self-regulate. Okay. Um, the reason we don't steal cars, the reason you don't commit fraud, the lie is you self-regulate. You have a higher thing that, that's important in your life that you submit to, you self-regulate. And on the other side, when it's when somebody is doing whatever it takes to win, it, it breaks the whole system. Well, it's no longer fair and impartial. Um, if I can just go in and just make stuff up, that's just crazy. And, <laughs> and with impunity, it's the part of with impunity. So if the guy wants to come in there and just talk nonsense, but then he gets disbarred. Okay. You know, that's fine. But if he's going to be celebrated and be a, a MSNBC talking political head and commenting for $500,000 a year on all the other trials that are in, you know, what was his downside? He got to try to do something that's not told does not appear to be totally ethically and legal um, and by the rules and he's rewarded for it and that's that's what's such a 
I, you know, I think in the Bible, it's Psalm 72 that kind of talk, I need to go read it again because <laughs> I got to get myself squared away on this again. Maybe it's 73. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's important that you, we want to see the American ethos is we want to see rights upheld. We want to see justice done. Fair play, right? That's that's the most important thing that we always want to see. If you're playing, you know, a game of hoops, and uh, somebody's fouling all the time, and he's not calling it on themselves, you just want you want to invite that guy back, right? You don't want to yeah. be involved with somebody like that. So, it we self-regulate even a game of three-on-three -three basketball, because that's how we live in an organized society. Yeah. What are some of the other things you've seen through this trial that have made you scratch your head? I saw one of the district attorneys make the comment that because Kyle had a firearm, he gave up his right to self-defense and that he should just have put the gun down and taken on a mob. Now, some of us have had experience with more than one attacker at a time, um, but 20, 30, 50, come on, you're, you're not Bruce Lee. The, the, None of that is real. Um, the comment that he should have just taken a beating, uh, I, where is that your right in life? You're, you have the right to take a beating. You have the right to, you don't have the right to self-defense. You have the right to take a beating. I, you know, obviously I have no words. I, I'm a talk show host and I have no words. Help me with this. That it's, it's just, it's, incomprehensible it, it it that's exactly what it is i i don't have i don't have the the verbiage to describe the disgust for some of the things i've seen in this in this case well let's turn um, him a little bit on his head and let's say talk that about a minor should take that beating he's a he's a kid at the time he's still a kid right let's turn it around let's say that in fact um this was not kyle this was the, that DA's mom riding on a subway in New York City. And somebody wants her purse. She should just take a beating, right? Everybody gets punched in the nose every now and then, mom. But, but it, it, it's, it's what, she has no right to self-defense? This is your mom, right? If, she, if everything's equal, if that kid has no right to self-defense, your mom has no right to self-defense. So what, what are you saying there? Are you just making noise to try and confuse the jury? It's... You know, I've, I've seen defense counsel do stuff like this when they absolutely have nothing for their case. I mean, absolutely, there's just not a defense. And your guy is a is a three strikes guy. He's going when he goes down. He's going away. You you've got no valid defense, so you just start throwing stuff up at the wall, hoping something sticks and it distracts the jury. Um, but to see a prosecution do this is just incredibly troubling to me. Um, it, and you know we can we can twist things in all sorts of ways, but. Uh, the, the one that kind of caught my attention was when, when the prosecutor just grabbed hold of the term full metal jacket ammunition. 
and you knew you were using full metal jacket ammunition. See, there's been so and many like, of these. I even forgot about that one. Guys, if you're going to shoot me with an AR, if there's Please. any way you can possibly ensure that it's got full metal jacket ammunition, I'll appreciate it. But really now, will. we need to go back six days earlier when that same guy was saying, use hollow point ammunition, which is meant to explode. Yes. Full metal jackets, hollow, which one was it? it? You know, he was wrong about the hollow points meant to explode. They expand, you know, varmint bullets are different, but I don't think that's what this was. I think this was regular five, five, six, uh, 55 grain ball ammo. And, and uh, obviously, that kind of a, that close of an interaction, there's so many foot pounds of energy coming out of a rifle. That's why this gentle person's uh, arm vaporizes it's soft tissue versus, you know, 2,500 foot pounds of energy. So that, that is going to happen whether it's full metal jacket or not. But the prosecutor again is showing his idea or, or his lack of, of knowledge that, oh, it's full metal jacket. That sounds terrible. You know, it was a terrible movie, full metal jacket. But he was just talking about how hollow points go in and explode. Now, which one was it? Because they are two complete opposite types of, of projectiles. And, and the same guy is making the same case two different ways. It's like, well, maybe six of the juries were like this and the other six were like this. So they'll come together, you know, we'll baffle them with baloney okay. instead of, uh, you know, there's no dazzling with brilliance. We're baffling them with baloney. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it just, uh, I, I was shocked. You know, we discussed this a little bit last week. I was shocked they put um, such a young person on the stand. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I was, I was really pretty impressed with, with his ability to, uh, pause and get his thoughts together and answer questions. Um, he, he really didn't allow himself to get bullied terribly. Um, when you started pressing and pressing and pressing and, and, you know, you're looking for a yes or no answer from him and and he refused to give a yes or no answer yes i if this happened i knew he would take my firearm again away from me and he was and he would kill me with it um the guy you have other witnesses that were that were close enough to to be able to back up the fact that there were threats made against him and those witnesses were on the other side those yes. witnesses were guys trying to corral him in prior to the shooting of mr rosenbaum um, they, when they threw the Molotov cocktail at him, chased him across the parking lot and trapped him. There was two or three other guys with bats or some other kind of weapon that had closed off his avenue of escape. And then when he came back around, Rosenbaum was there, right? Grabbed yeah. his rifle, says, says, hi, how are you? Would you like to buy some Girl Scout cookies? And uh, tried to grab his rifle. So, you know, yeah, that's all what happened there. Uh, don't ask how Rosenbaum got the Girl Scout cookies because we're not allowed to bring that up. You know, you know, we, we touched on the criminal histories of, of some of the involved in this thing and, and the criminal histories. There's four people involved. Four even people though, involved, three of them with criminal histories. 
even, even though that stuff bothers us, um, it, it has no bearing on whether or not this was a self-defense case or not. Um, it, you know, it obviously wasn't a, a minister that, that was shot and killed in the, in the thing, but uh, it's, it's not anything that's going to have any bearing on whether the, the case was justifiable or not. No, the actions have to speak for themselves. The actions themselves, absolutely. That's what we're basing this whole thing on. That's what we judge this case on. Um, it's when we throw in these extracurricular things, um, you know, you, you wait until closing arguments before, I don't know where this comes from, but finally we have a, a high resolution copy of this, of this drone footage. Where did that come from? Oh, that, that came from because it was an Android, then it went to an Apple phone. So that's how that, it just automatically compressed itself and cleaned itself up. Uh, yeah, it's, that's amazing. <laughs> that's what the airdrop feature does on your phone. You didn't know that? Oh yeah, yeah, it just happens all the time. Just find that out just walking down the street. Yeah, just, just truly amazing. Um, well, let's go back to your days on the force. You have this information and you don't give it to your DA because it could exonerate the other guy and they find out about it. Where's your pension? I'm, I'm guilty of a crime. And you're fired. Yeah, I'm guilty of a crime. Um, that, that's just part of keeping these things fair because um, there are gonna be times that you may, you may come across something in your investigation that you can't explain, but it does not support everything that you're, you're trying to prove. But that comes um, down to exactly your, your premise before. You want the guilty people to go to jail. You just want the facts to be heard. If the facts come out that, hey, I really, I really thought that Joe Blow did X. I really did, and I don't like him. And I really did, but the fact come out that he didn't. Yeah. He didn't. I mean, that that has to be the responsible stance of law. And it is the responsible stance of law enforcement. They don't they don't pin stuff on people, you know, it just it's not boss hog and the dukes of hazard, you know. It's just it's, you know, I'm gonna get those boys, I'll make something up. It's just it, you know, come on, you guys are too busy. You're running 20 calls behind all the time. Who's got time to make stuff up on somebody? So, um, you know, I, I think the law enforcement does the best they can. And, and anyway, I, I think they're doing a heck of a job. I think this, this situation that we're seeing here is a, of a, an animal of a different feather is what's going on in this courtroom. Well, we... To mix metaphors. We have uh, we have somebody making a request for a two million dollar bond on a seventeen year old without even a complete investigation being presented to you. Um, that that's something that makes me scratch my head. Did he make bond, or was he actually in custody this entire time? Uh, no, he did make bond. Um, I think they, I think they probably did a bond reduction hearing or something like that as well. But, um, 
to be so influenced by, um, I don't know if you want to go court of public opinion or uh, the winds of political change, or, you know, because obviously this was something that was, that was uh, a result of a law enforcement shooting that happened in that town um, that's since been deemed to be a justifiable shooting. Um, but because of the, the climate and the way things have, have gone for the last two years, three years, um, it, was, it was something that became very contentious. Um, we have so much, so much outside influence now. I, I don't have an issue with the fact that this was investigated, but I think you, you make a full, complete investigation before you start setting up your prosecution. Um, it's, it's not a win at all cost thing. It, it never has been. It never should be. It should be, uh, let's, let's do the most thorough investigation we can and, and see if we can come down to what the truth is. Um, maybe the, maybe a, a thing to note here, you're saying it's not a win at all cost thing. I, I think if, if the facts line up a hundred percent this direction, then it is when it'll use all those facts, you know, press the case a hundred percent. It's not, well, I want this to happen. So we'll just kind of, I'll use my salesmanship to the jury. Oh, by the way, uh, you ever look down a barrel of an AR-15? This is what it looks like, you know, hey, hey guys, this is what, you know, yeah. scare the heck out of them. Oh, you're going to be doxxed. Oh, you're going to do this change. You know, that's salesmanship trying to win as opposed to explaining the facts. This is what happened A to B, you know, this is what happened. Here's what he did. Here's what he didn't do. And this is, you're seeing a guy just trying to sell the jury. Either, either the facts all line up and support your case or they don't. Um, so I never, I never felt like I, I, I never, I was only a piece of the puzzle. Um, it, it's you did your job, pushed I, it on. Yes, yeah, and, and, I, and I move all of that information on to the prosecutor's office. They make the determination on whether charges are being filed. Right. Um, you know, a lot of people don't even have the understanding of that. They, well, the police filed charges and they did this, this, and this. No, we. We did an we investigation. Turned in our reports. The DA files we the charges. Entered the facts. The the district attorney's office or the grand jury or who they made the determination that charges would be filed in this in this case, and this is the way it goes. But even still, you know, because I've got the professionals from the defense side, and I've got the professionals from the prosecution side, and and the defense has investigators as well. They're they're working the case just like we are. Um, you know, once, once they have my information, they, they want to discredit it and disprove it and, and, it show. and that's, that's their job, you know, that's it, their job. I think uh, we just need but, to... it, but it goes to those fair, impartial jurors, those citizen jurors, because we want people that are of the community of, 
the same standards and this is what we do where we live and and that's the people i want to sit in judgment against me it, it is and again i think we need to come back full circle on this we've, we've talked about this case everybody's seen it everybody has at least two opinions on it right so um we're gonna find out how that how that comes down but it comes down to the fact that if you ever have to defend your life and i hope you never do if you ever have to defend your life you're gonna make sure that you have the coverage you need to defend your freedom because that's what we're watching here. We're watching a 17 year old have to have his freedom defended after he had to defend his life. And so I see CW safe. I mean, it's my choice, unlimited criminal and civil proceeding costs. Well, and what, what and else are you gonna say? Aside from the fact that you have those things in place, which is huge, um, our, our team is unmatched. Yeah, the experts, the experts you, like yourself and Don West and some of the other people I've met on the uh, over there. Don't worry, folks. I'm not one of your experts. <laughs> you know, You're safe. Uh, You're in better hands. Our, our, our uh, critical response team manager, Gary Eastridge, has mm -hmm. been involved in law, law enforcement since the 70s. Um, he retired as a homicide investigator. Um, he did a contract for the UN and worked uh, overseas teaching other international law enforcement guys how to investigate homicides. Um, he's done it all over the world. Um, and if you're involved in something that you've had to defend yourself that's resulted in serious bodily injury or death, we are the ones that are coming to you. Um, that's just, that's just the team that we've put in place to assist you through those early days. It's, that's something that's really critical that nobody else has nobody. Um, and I, I, I couldn't begin to count the hundreds of shootings I've actively been a part of investigating. So it, it's just something that that know what you're what you're buying, know what service you're getting, um, and and understand that you have people uh, throughout our organization that are as as good as anybody you could find in the country. Um, that's a that's a very big deal. Um, so we're, we're always thankful for our members. It's, it's an honor that they trust us. Um, and it's something that we take very, very seriously. So. All right. Well, have a happy Thanksgiving. You guys enjoy your holidays. We will, we will see you next week. We appreciate you so much and thank you for tuning in. I think I'll be fatter next week. I don't know if it's possible, but I'll probably be fatter after Thanksgiving even next week. I'm going to work on it. All right. God bless. Take care.